Eleanor without a bar. Welcome to 3PNR. I'm your host, Adam R. And joining me again tonight, Roberta Grimes. Roberta, how you doing? I'm delighted to be here and I'm doing super. Excellent to hear. Excellent. So in the time since we'd spoken, uh, and I was telling you in pre-podcast, I, I've, I've learned a lot. Uh, and the, as much as I learned, I, I feel like I didn't really gain too much, but I did learn a lot. Uh, <laughs> for you, it's uh, the afterlife, Right. In the last, well, it's, yeah, in the it's last real life, actually, right? Yeah, pray, uh, expand on that. Well, we come here to learn brief lessons, and then we go home to our real life. Right? Yeah, that's I. I that's how kind of how I'm starting to view it. Like Earth is a proving ground, and depending on what your energy does here is where you go post here. But that's right. The biggest question I keep getting uh, from people are: We'll start with one. One is. What happens when we die? Well, a lot of good stuff happens pretty quickly. We go home and we have great reunions. And so that being said, uh, home would be the source of energy, right? I, th- I think you and I discussed that before. Uh, I think our, personally, I think our consciousness and our soul are the same thing, just raw energy. And Yes, right. exactly. And so then you go back to a source, which... Uh, a lot of people have pushback on what I call the source, uh, the architect. I, some people call it God. I view it as a greater energy, and it's the creator of the entire universe and universe expanded. Uh, anything in creation came from a source, and I think it's the same source that provides our energy. Does that sound right? Pretty much, yes. Uh, our, our real home is enormous. It's the astral plane, which is many times the size of this universe. Yeah, I hear from a lot of NDEs, um, the, a lot more, I've done probably more off-podcast interviews than I did on podcasts, because a lot of them, their contribution was short, you know, and I hear the same from them. Uh, post here, your energy goes back to the source, and uh, the other big question is reincarnation. What would you like to know about Reincarnation. So from my perspective, or at least my theory, is that our, our energy gets recycled, right? Again, um, depending on what, how you behave here in this world at our proving ground, uh, we can either be recycled because we're really good here and, we, and this, this particular place needs us, and or uh, we didn't do so great here. We were bad. We're getting recycled so we could have another shot to prove ourselves for this to, to return back to the source. Well, it's it's not really that way. I mean, you are eternal. You never began, you never will end. And uh, it, it just, it takes more than one lifetime for you to really grow as much as you're able to grow. So you come back over and over again, and each time you come back as a different entity, but it's still you, you are eternal. You, you'll never die. Right, your energy's and it's it's only our vessel that that perishes. That's right, that's right. So that being said, because um, uh, I speak about it on the show often, I, I've yet to track down the family, but there's a kid, and I want to say it was like the early '80s, who was recalling uh, being a pilot in World War II with great detail, 
And this is an era where there was no internet, no real way to, to find out about people. And I had to believe that uh, his energy uh, recycled had some residual information attached to it, and he could recall that information. That's a different kind of reincarnation. Sometimes we don't perfectly transition uh, back to our, our uh, how can I put it this, this way? We don't usually, we don't perfectly transition back home. Uh, um, Ian Stevenson did, did some research on this kind of reincarnation. If we don't perfectly transition back home, we sort of get stuck partway back, uh, and that's what he did. And so we kind of get stuck in place, and when we have the opportunity, we'll enter uh, someone's womb and uh, enter the fetus that's in that womb, and we'll come back. And we have memories then of having been in a different life. In this case, he, was, he had a memory of having been in a, uh, in, in a pilot uh, who crashed, and, uh, and and that those are the memories he had. But that's not how reincarnation normally happens. It normally happens when we have perfectly transitioned. We've gone through the process of having gone home, gone through a life review, had spent some time with the people that were part of that previous lifetime, uh, had some fun there. And then we thought, you know, there are things we really need to learn. So we're going to go back and and uh and 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 plan and you know we plan a new lifetime um and we all together get together and plan that lifetime and then we are born into a new lifetime and that's how reincarnation usually happens but in those incompleted deaths we we basically one, one person that that uh, Ian Stevenson um uh interviewed recalled having hung around in a tree and saw what looked like a nice lady who was pregnant and entered her fetus and was born and had and had a lot of memories of having been uh, a, a man who had been killed and uh, was, I think, shot with a shotgun. And that um, young child had uh, it w- was sprinkled all over his chest with uh, with with uh, with birthmarks, which was of course the the the, the shotguns pellets had left those marks uh, on on the on the person who had died on, on that body, and he had them on on his chest, and it was taken to the the uh, uh, home of the person who had been killed, and he was was able to recognize all the people from that previous lifetime. That's a different kind of reincarnation. That's an incompleted previous death, and uh, it, it's just a different. It's a different way of for reincarnation to happen when there was an incompleted previous death. I think we had spoken about that. It's when someone dies instantly is when their energy is like, "What happened? Where am I? What's going on?" Because it was usually it's a it's a violent previous violent death. It's right. A, it's just a different situation. Yeah, so an example, you're you're driving in a car and uh, uh, you go through an intersection, another car blows a light, hits you, kills you instantly. Your energy doesn't have enough time to to prepare itself for the next level, nor is there anyone there to greet you. You're you're in a kind of a a state of confusion. Yes, it's usually it's usually a murder or it's a you know very violent previous death, like like the the crash that happened, the the like the the um, uh, plane crash 
in a, in a war like a murder, like right. just something violent that happened. Right. That's not a normal completed transition. Now, what about the percentage of people? Like, I'll give myself for an example. Very nostalgic. I like it here. I like my friends. I like the life I'm in. Um, is it? Is there the potential for some people to, or, or we'll say some energy, to maybe have pushback on going anywhere else or being recycled? Usually not. Because, believe it or not, it's really nice there. And when, when you go, go through the process of dying, typically... You're old, right? Um, your, you know, your body is weakened. You, you go through the process of dying. You, you, uh, the process of dying is actually quite pleasant. You, you, your pain is gone. You, you see the the people, the the deathbed visitors uh, who have come to take you home uh, appear in the upper corners of the room. And it's it's very nice. You're 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 very glad to go. When you see mom appear in the upper corner of the of the room and she looks young and healthy and she says, hey, kid, it's time to go home. And you say, you know, mom, I think I'll go with you because this old body is pretty decrepit. It's like the old Toyota that you can't wait to clean right. the junkyard. Right. In a sense. Uh, are you familiar with that movie Avatar? Of course. Yeah. Yes. So I kind of, if when I use my imagination and I start thinking about uh, afterlife when we perish, um, the not quite the science of that movie, but perhaps the idea where our energy is transported to a, a body here on Earth. Uh, so this we're basically in our avatar, controlling with the energy that's within it. Is that a good summary? Well, well, it's it's actually it's not it's not really like that. It's it's more like. We, we, we've this is not our first rodeo. We've been through this before. Very few people who are here now in a body, this is their first time. They, they, they've we've, we've been through this before. And as we we go through the process of getting ready to transition home again, we we remember what it was like. And and as I say, we see mom, we see our our pet from our childhood. And and um, the, uh, are the, the deathbed visitors who come for us say, you know, you know, hey, it's time to go home again. And and we we suddenly we really can't wait to get home. I mean, Steve Jobs, when he was ready to transition home and, and his he was saying goodbye to his loved ones, suddenly he said, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Three times. Suddenly he was seeing his deathbed visitors. He stopped talking to the people who were there for him, who were alive. He wanted to go home. Right. We all want to go home. Home is much deeper and more wonderful than anything we see on Earth. So it's fair to say if there's a hell, we're on it already, right? Because it's, you know, considered. There is no hell. No. T- tell me. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't believe in a hell. I, I there think- isn't any hell. It's not, it's not a matter of belief. We know that. We've done extensive research. There is no such thing as hell. And there's no such thing as judgment by God or by Jesus or by any afterlife figure. Right. That's a fact. Jesus says it in the Gospels. He says God doesn't judge us, and he doesn't judge us. So based on that that reply, um, another question uh, from people. Um, there are an enormous amount of humans who live their lives purely, as pure as they can anyway. It's impossible to be perfect. We know this. But then the question was asked, well, what happens to murderers and, and people uh, that are just, they commit evil regularly? What, what's the outcome of them? 
when they get to the afterlife, like all of us, they will go through a life review. And they will get to feel, as we all will, how we made other people feel Ah. during our lives. They'll get to feel how they made other people feel. And that is crappy. Yeah. So that is the reason why Jesus said that it's time for us to learn how, how not to judge. Because one day you are going to get to learn how it feels to be judged. Judge not that you be not judged because you're going to get to feel how it feels to be judged because the day will come when you get to judge yourself and that you don't want to go through. Right. And we tend to be really hard on ourselves, even in this world. You know, you don't know what it's like to be hard on yourself till you get to, you get to feel what it's like to be judged by yourself. There's nothing like that. So when you, you have a book, it's titled uh, fun of dying, the fun of dying, find out what really happens next. Yes. The research put into that. Tell me about, so I guess let's start with this. Tell, let's tell listeners about where, how you came into the subject and then what led you to the book. Well, I, I, when I was eight, I, I went through um, an experience of light and, and um, I, I, when I woke up in the middle of the night and I was certain there was no God. That's a scary feeling when you're eight years old. Right, and I, I, I had to find out where that where, where the, there was something a light in the room, and from that light, a voice came that said, "You wouldn't know what it is to have me unless you knew what it is to be without me. I'll never leave you again." And so I had to know where that light came from and where that voice came from, and that's what made me spend fifty the past fifty odd years researching the afterlife, and there was so much evidence. Much of it is more than 100 years old. When I discovered all that evidence for the afterlife and discovered that there really is an afterlife and, and how much excellent evidence there is, um, I, I had to put it together and I had to write about it. More people needed to know this stuff. Agreed. Agreed. And yeah, so that's, that's what made me write the book. And so that, you know, because right now, as we speak, science, there's scientists out there that are studying people as they're passing on. Um, I'm not sure. I forget the exact uh, kind of machine they were using, but some sort of machine to like measure energy of the room. Um, And then we have other scientists that are mapping the human brain to find the source of our of our conscious consciousness. Which is so stupid. Think about how stupid that is. Yeah, really. Good luck with that. (laughs) So that being said. In your research, because a lot of people are going to ask, well, where, what, what's the foundation of your research and you, where did you research it? Well, in the, at, at the turn of the 20th century, just before it, in the 20 years, 30 years before it, and the 20, 30 years after it, there were mediums that don't exist today for the most part. Um, deep trance mediums and um, various kinds of mediums who had the time and the energy to work in the dark for the most part and to, to, um, to actually withdraw from their bodies and to give us really extensive um, information 
about what it's like in the afterlife. They existed when they worked primarily in southern England and the eastern United States, primarily New York and Boston areas. And they were not in contact for the most part with one another. And yet the information that they gave us was so consistent, so thorough, so detailed that it was impossible for it not to be real. It couldn't be so consistent and not be real. I was very skeptical in the beginning, but by the time I had spent four or five years doing this research, I was convinced it was impossible for it not to be real. It was like going to, uh, you know, I was planning, if I was planning a trip to Fiji, and uh, I said in the book, and I wanted to know what Fiji was like. And I had all these hundreds of, of accounts from people who, who were going to Fiji. And, and they were all talking about the same place. None of them said the same things, but they were talking about the same process, the same physics, the same details. It was impossible for it not to be real. So I was convinced. I believed it. There's a study and I watched. I it. Uh, it was a video of a teenage girl. I think this is in a, <clears throat> I want to say it's the 80s. 80s really popular time for studying the paranormal, I see. But there was a little girl. She was a teen. They put her uh, in a room. I don't know what led up to it that she was there. And so they had her in this room. It was blocked off from everybody. And about three rooms down, there was a gentleman uh, with a marker writing things on paper. And in real time, she was stating what he was writing. Uh, which, when I first, I had to rewatch that video several times to, to grab that. I had to look in the room. Is there someone notifying her, or et cetera, et cetera? Is this, is this a hoax? Um, but it turns out that study was real and, and, and still being reviewed today. So the idea of people uh, remote viewing or leaving their bodies or, or even in the case of a near-death experience where they're, where they're able to perceive oneself from, from a third party, it, it's not out of the realm of impossible because you hear a lot of accounts and they're pretty detailed. You know, I've had a, a couple people on the show talk about their near-death experience and they give pretty prime detail of what it was that was surrounding them as not being part of their body. Um, it's just tough for the majority of people that don't experience it or, or if they did, I know people like this too, and I'm sure you do too, where if they have a, 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 a an abnormal experience, they just, they deny it. They lock it away. They don't want to confront it. And it, it happens all too often. The thing you need to understand though about near-death experiences is that nobody dies and comes back. Near-death experiences have nothing to do with actual death. Okay. All that, because death involves um, a, what's called a silver cord. In fact, that, that uh, term comes from the Bible. Um, everybody who has a near-death experience it, it goes to the what's called the astral plane, which is actually the size of um, the, the, the entire universe, believe it or not. And that's where we go. That's, that's our, our eternal home. And in, in, in sort of, if, if we're talking dimensions in, in length and, and width, it's the size of the universe, but it's many, many dimensions in terms of depth. And they never, they, part of it, a relatively large part, but not, but not all of it, is, is the afterlife. You can't go into the afterlife and then come out again. Right. You, it's a one-way trip. Um, if you go, the, in fact, people who have extensive near-death experiences will be told if you proceed past this point, you will die, and your silver cord will be severed. I see. Um, that's the energy cord that attaches your energy body 
to your material body. We all travel in the astral plane at night, uh, or many of us do. Most of us do, not every night, but many nights, um, to have experiences. And um, it's so love-filled that people think they've died. Oh, I've died. I'm in heaven. But many of those experiences that people report in the afterlife are actually very atypical. Um, that's why people can report negative experiences or report weird experiences or meeting God or all of that weird stuff. They, those experiences are not experiences in the genuine afterlife. Um, they're experiences in the astral plane. Right. So it's a between area to simplify for people. Listening. Yes. Right. It's a gray yes. area. But it, and it is, in fact, most of the astral plane is where we actually live in our in our real lives. Yeah, because it's been there's studies that show, and I forget this guy's name. He said something like the closest to death we get on a regular basis is when we sleep, and I, I didn't yes. understand that. <laughs> could, yeah, but that but that's true. That's actually true. Yeah, because in when you're in your sleep, in your subconscious, you're moving in, like again, like when you're in a dream state, you're clearly not in your house doing it. You're you're somewhere no. else. Yeah, yeah, you leave your body very often during that dream state it's usually it's in the first part of your of your uh, of your sleep in fact very often you, you'll wake up at one or two in the morning that's when your your energy body re-enters your physical body and that jolt often wakes you up it wakes me up almost every night i'll give you a strange story i haven't told anyone else other than people close to me in life um and i won't say the place has happened because you know i'm not going to damage a reputation but for about a week, I was having a dream um, of some, some somebody coming after me with guns, and uh, I needed to be protected, et cetera, oh my goodness, et cetera. Yeah, this is scary. well, yeah, it was it was strange. So a week later, I'm at this place I go to to hang out. I'm in the restroom, and a gun went off in the stall directly next to me. Wow. Yeah. So directly next to me, this happens, right? And. I didn't even think about the dream because at that time, uh, and oddly enough, I wasn't scared. I was more like I saw the person come out of the room. Cops went in the place. They, they looked for them, et cetera, et cetera. And you can see the look in this guy's face. He's leaving the stall. I even asked him if he was okay. Uh, but long story short, it wasn't until I was home later at night when I realized, like, well, I had those dreams, and I wonder if they connected. Was it like a warding or something like that? Because I'd never experienced anything at all. Not, not, nothing psychic, no ghosts, UFOs, nothing. Uh, but so that dream to me was a very bizarre thing that I had a couple of these dreams where I needed protection from something with a gun, someone with a gun, and then that happens. Now, it could be coincidence, or it could be, because I've heard from people, I'll ask you on this, when you're in a dream state and you're leaving your body, or you're near death leaving your body, uh, perhaps space-time isn't like what it, we think it here, right? Time isn't the same as Earth, especially in the afterlife, right? Not at all. There is no time there as we know it. Right. Right. So you could pretty much uh, observe things uh, either forward or, or backward in that state, it really is weird, isn't it? It's very strange. <laughs> I mean, and so for me, and I'll, I'll be honest, I said it earlier, I'm very nostalgic. I like it here. I don't know if I want to leave here. Because, um, you know, as a kid, I had a fear of death. And as you get older, you want and that's what, you know, the motivation for speaking to you and other people in the podcast is to learn more about it, to develop a comfort for it. Uh, not so much to embrace it. You're still, you know, youthful or you, know, you still have life ahead of you, but if he comes to that point, you could, you could better be prepared. Well, the thing is, you, you, it depends on your age. Um, you know, when you're, when you're under fifties or sixties, 
you're you're not ready to leave. You still have experiences to have here. Right. Um, as you get toward your 70s or 80s, you start looking forward to going home. So let me ask you now, um, there's a book you have. It's titled uh, Fun of Staying in Touch. Uh, tell me the premise of that and what, and what it exactly means for people listening. And I'm going to put all these books in detail, uh, description, so people could find it, by the way. The, the, a lot of people really want to stay in touch with the people who have gone ahead of them. And The Fun of Staying in Touch talks about some of the ways that we can do that. What are the signs that our loved ones give us? What are some of the ways that we can stay in touch with the people that we love? Um, if they want to stay in touch with us, there are many ways that we can stay in touch with them. Now, what are your feelings on psychics? Um, there are very good psychics. There are some that have the gift to some extent, and they try to make a living from it, but they're not very good at it, and they fake it quite a bit. Right. I'm under the impression, and this is what I've learned in the last year, because uh, prior to, I thought psychic abilities might be supernatural, but I th- when you view the human brain, the computer in our head, uh, some people just have different software and are able to perceive things that others can't. Uh, where others would have to hone it and and exercise it a bit to utilize it. But are you under the impression that that humans in in total, we do have an ability to have a psychic. When I say psychic, I mean communicate. We have. I have known some very good psychics. I have known some very good psychics who abused their abilities and lost them. I have known some that, um, were not nice people or good people and lost them for that reason. Um, I, I, I don't consult psychics as a, as a rule myself. I, 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 I know the people that I love are fine and I frankly don't have the time for it. Right. Yeah. Because one of the, uh, I forget her name. Sylvia, is it Sylvia Brown? I think it was Sylvia Brown. Right. I remember seeing her on TV years ago. And she was telling this girl's mother, she's like, listen, she's moved on, you know, let it be. And then, you know, some 10 years later, it turned out the girl was alive and she was being held captive. You remember that whole story? She's being held captive for like no, a decade. I don't, I don't know that story. I'm glad I don't. Yeah, it was really <laughs> a terrible story. This girl was abducted and being held captive for a decade. And then something ended up happening where one of the girls got out and got in touch with a neighbor and the cops got involved and they were all freed. I and mean, this guy had a, a group of girls. But that's one example of, I, I think, of a psychic that utilizes, uh, tea, you know, they, <coughs> for profit. You know, they want to make money. Yes. And then there's the other few that I've reached out to, and they don't want to come on a podcast. They don't want to be on TV. Their job is to give closure and help. And that's it. And they don't even charge money. They just, it's, the her exact words, which I'll read to see verbatim, is, it's a burden to have this gift most times. And I can see why, because if you if um, imagine me or someone that's in that state of what we were talking about earlier, where you're in between, you're kind of lost, and you see this one person who can see and hear you, and you're like, "Listen, you got to tell someone, you got to help me." Imagine harassment. So that's yeah, astronomical. <laughs> no, I I mean there are some that are good at it, but they aren't good at it all the time. I mean, it's, it's a very, uh, to me, it's a very sort of speculative kind of gift. Right. Some people are good at it. It's just to me, not, uh, it's not something I need for myself. And, um, I have recommended a few and then gotten 
sort of dubious feedback on them. So I, I don't, I try not to recommend them anymore. Right. Yeah, I, I can see why. So another big thing, Roberta, a lot of people, um, they want to learn as much as possible about the afterlife. And I, so the majority of people, because I hold these little polls, and I think they're, it's when you're, like you said, when you're at that point, and you're questioning your mortality is when they want to be educated more. Yeah. What, uh, what, what do you suggest? How would they go about researching it on their own? Well, because there, I think it's important to understand. It's important to be free of fear because we come here to, for spiritual growth and fear is like an anchor that weighs you down. And um, religions are all based on fear. I've not, ne- not ever known one that was not. Christianity certainly is. And so um, we've started a website uh, called Seek Reality Online. It's seekreality.com, which is meant to, to just help people get past their fear and give them education. Education is really the only way to get past your fear. And with at Seek Reality Online, we teach the truth. And the truth is the only way to banish fear. And uh, if you can do that, if you can learn the truth, then the truth does set you free, as Jesus taught. Um, so that's the best way to do it, is to learn what really is going on. When you learn what's going on, it's amazingly liberating to understand the truth. Yeah, and you have, you have another book called uh, Fun of Growing Forever. Uh, and I guess let's so kind of tell people the premise of that book and what led to it. Well, the, the growing forever is is spiritual growth. Um, the more you learn about what's going on, the more you can grow spiritually. And growing spiritually is the most fun you can have. It literally is. The, the easiest way to grow spiritually is the teachings of Jesus. There are other ways to do it, too. There, that's not the only way to do it. It's just the easiest way right. for Westerners, especially, because you can do it with meditation. You can do it with chanting. Uh, you can do it with um, various Eastern traditions, but they're not they're they're foreign to most Westerners. And they're they're a little bit scary. Some people say, you know, they worry when they grew up as Christians that if I if they tried this or that Western teaching, it'll, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it's 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 just scary for many Eastern. Eastern religions are scary to Westerners. So um the the fun of growing forever uses the teachings of Jesus to help you grow spiritually. And just may, not by coincidence, uh, coincidence at all, it's also the easiest way to grow spiritually. Right. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of, a lot. so unfortunately, a lot of uh, ancient religions that we know of today, uh, they came from, their foundation was based on, on uh, control. Uh, like, I'll give you an example. Uh, there's the guy who was number two to Osama bin Laden, and, you know, they committed whatever acts they did. And in captivity, he was able to read the Quran in its entirety, and it broke his heart because he didn't realize what he was doing was wrong. He literally had no clue. Um, so he was lied to by someone. And that's so that's the scary part of religion. Religion as a whole has a great message for peace, camaraderie, fellowship, until it gets in the hands of a very charismatic, self-serving person who will then take that religion and weaponize it. And is it for his own needs, might I add? So, what, but the same is true as Christianity. Yes, Christianity can be used that way as well. 
We've seen examples of that. We've seen examples of some evangelicals having, you know, a palace with some Ferraris and private jets. I'm, yes. I'm pretty certain that's not what God or, or Jesus had intended for them. Absolutely to, not. Yeah, it's an that's, insane that's thought. True. It's, you know, realistically speaking, if you're a pastor or a minister, yes, you need an income. You still got to feed your family, un- undoubtedly, right? But to have a palace with Ferraris and private jets and, and $4,000 suits or probably more, that's a, a prime example of a charismatic human taking the words of, of religion and and when I say weaponize it, it's not always to do harm, but they they are self-serving with it, right? They, they develop a, an income. They become celebrity status. And then we see it in humans all the time. When you're a celebrity and you're getting attention, there's money coming in. You, you don't want to lose that. You do whatever you can to keep your hands on it. And it's, so that's where it gets dangerous. Cause when you read about Jesus himself and his teachings, it was outside with people. There was no church. There was no, you know, there was no ceremonies. It was just him teaching and then prayer together. Right. And, and he even says himself, if you want to pray, you can do it anywhere. You want to be baptized. There's a body of water here, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then somewhere down the line, uh, these really expensive palaces are being developed, marble, fine woods and gold, and people are worshiping in these things. And it's really kind of a contradiction of where it started. Would, would you agree? Totally. Yeah. We're, we're, we are going to start a new website called teachingsbyjesus.com, and it's just going to be about what Jesus taught. And uh, no, yeah, he, he had... He has nothing to do with anything that uh, that makes money. Absolutely not. And we won't be charging for the website either. Excellent. I mean, and I'll put that in the description too for people to, so they can locate it. Um, another big question from a lot of people. Now, we, we discussed this too. There's something else, Roberta. You said to me a year ago, and I found it to be a common thing through uh, parallels through everything I've researched, and it's about uh, vibrations, our vibrations, the frequency we're at. Uh, if we're vibrating high to do greater things, we're vibrating low to do bad things. Uh, that stuck with me because I didn't not just hear it from you and other religions. I'm also hearing it commonly used in science. So there's got to be something to that. <laughs> yes, true. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, like if you have uh, good vibrations, <laughs> no, no shot to the song, uh, right. creates uh, symmetrical works of art with using sound and low vibrations clump together. And it's not as, you know, it's, and then a lot of the paranormal people I'd spoken to and same thing with them frequencies, vibrations. I had this conversation with Steve Murr and even people of ufology think that these uh, craft utilize frequencies and vibrations. And then uh, people with near death, I hear frequency and vibration. And I'm, I'm going to be honest when I say this, because before the podcast, I didn't really look into it. You were the first person to bring that to my attention. What What are your thoughts on the vibrations and frequencies? Well, it, it's the essence of everything because consciousness, um, the essence of consciousness is its vibrations. The lower it vibrates, the more negative the vibration, um, actually the more evil it is. Uh, the more, um, the, the lowest vi- uh, vibration of consciousness is what Jesus called the outer darkness, where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. Uh, that's the lowest vibration of the afterlife. And, and Jesus said that you'll, you'll put yourself there um, it, if you are sufficiently negative in the things you do and the things you think. 
Whereas at the highest vibration, at the very highest vibration of consciousness is God. It's that simple. And we are we literally come to Earth specifically to raise our personal consciousness vibration. It's true. And so I say this because, um, you know, I, I have another interest in ufology. Um, a lot of it has to do with perception, the, the ability to perceive. And there are certain frequencies that we, we, there's things we would not even notice. Let's just talk space. Without certain frequencies, uh, we wouldn't be able to detect certain things in, in the vastness of space. Right, we we have to utilize certain frequencies. Um, so when you have a, a higher life form, uh, an, a source, uh, an architect, uh, or some people call God, it's it's at a frequency, a vibration that we can't perceive yet. We're not there. I, I feel like that. I mean, does that make sense to you? Well, yeah, I mean, if I understand what you're saying, yeah. Um, but but uh, the vibration at which the Godhead vibrates is far higher than anything that we can perceive. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're not there yet, but it's, it's, it's an aspiration for us to raise our vibration to that extent. Right. Um, it's all on a continuum. You know, we're, we're not there yet, but we can aspire to, to vibrate at that level. I mean, love is the highest vibration that we can imagine. Right. And all a- of us can... All of us can love. I mean, yeah. that's that's what we should be doing now. And that's and that's a what it, that's a pleasure vibration. That's a very uh, lifting vibration. I mean, it's it's rare. I'll say that much. It's unfortunate in, in our world as we live in it now. People are very. Uh, the primary concern is oneself, uh, you know, one's possessions. Uh, believe like me, or, or or have my ideology as far as politics go. We're very divided species. It's creepy. We let little things get between us. All the time. So but we allow that to, ha- to happen. We don't have to allow it. Right. We can make the decision for love. I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm, and I say this a lot on the podcast, but I'm really shocked that racism still exists. I'm blown away by it. I'm, our technology. I, I think there is less racism than the leaders want, that want there to be. I think we allow the concept of racism to divide us and we can make a decision against that. Right. And that's because when we say leaders, people want tribal like minds for things like votes, yes. things for like, uh, um, yes. you know, positions of power because without the leaders want to use it to divide us. Yes. Right. Because yes. if we were, if we saw each other for what we are, the same energy, the same, you know, the same life form, there would be no real need to have politics. Right. Cause people would just sit, there would yeah. be a symbiotic relationship amongst everyone. It would be they want they want to use it to create fear among us, to create divisions among us. We don't we we can say no to that. Yeah, and you we hear can say no. I will love my brother. Yeah, you I will hear, not let you divide us. You could hear it in the tones and the when you listen to the news. Um, you could I, I I I fully believe to be a news broadcaster. You have to have some kind of acting in your background because you could tell by the way. They verbalize things and the tones they use. They want to instill some today. This happened. You know, like the, the voice they use instills that kind of fear. Uh, and, yeah. and even seldomly when they speak of good things, they, they change their tones. Like they, it's a happier thing. It's like they're catering to people as an actor would. And that's to me, that's not news. That's just you entertaining at the level you want to entertain at. So yeah, yeah, you're right. So Roberta, let me ask you, what are your thoughts? Uh, what are your thoughts 
on the paranormal, ghost, uh, um, poltergeist, and so on? Oh, there are such things, um, but we, sca- we, use, we use the concept to scare ourselves as well. I mean, we can create such, such phantoms in our mind. Um, so uh, it, uh, sort of like racism, there's much more appetite for and creation of such things than, than, than they actually exist. Um, right. I mean, I don't know. Uh, there was a time when I was I, I imagined such things, and now I happily sit in the dark all night. I don't even, you know, I, I work all evening in the dark and don't even think about them. But there was a time I had to have a, a nightlight on. I was sure they exist all around me. Yeah, that's a I, that's that's a primal instinct we have as a species, right? Because we're worried about what's hunting yeah. us tonight. Right. 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 So for me, I'm a weird. So I, I research, you know, uh, the paranormal and ufologies as well. I mean, even on the show, I talk about law enforcement a lot. And I always bring a lot of people on there, you know, about improving mental status and being have a better mindset. But at the end of the day, with the paranormal, I again, like I said earlier, I, I've never witnessed anything. Uh, maybe because I'm overly aggressive. Maybe a spirit would seem like, yeah, well, maybe we don't deal with this guy. He's a he's a pain. He wants to ask questions. It's the only thing I ever, the only conclusion I can come to. <laughs> but as far as, uh, well, go ahead. It, well, it, I mean, I mean, paranormal, I mean, they're, you know, they're the people that you love are often around you. Right. You know, that's paranormal in that they're, it's not what you might think of as normal, Right. but that, but they're not negative. You know, you're, uh, I, I interviewed on my own podcast today, someone who's, friend had recently died and he has been around her quite a bit um, giving her signs and she's very happy about that. That's paranormal, but it's not negative. Right. Um, there, I, I, I think that as long as you keep your own vibration high, you won't be attracting negative entities. Uh, they, they won't come around you. Um, if, if on the other hand, you've been sort of flirting with, um, um, watching scary stories and 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 reading scary stories and having scary things in your mind. Sure, you'll be you'll be attracting perhaps uh, low vibration entities to yourself. Um, you, you you can do that. People who play with Ouija boards can attract, just like a beacon can attract negative entities to themselves. Uh, there have been people who have have uh, opened their homes to uh, negative entities by by playing with Ouija boards. Just don't play with Ouija boards. Yeah, it's it's as simple as that. You know, I think you're to me uh, when I hear that. That's like saying if you reduce your vibration, you're making yourself subject for predators. Yeah, it right. I mean, you know, you don't you don't go out in in land country and and. Uh, uh, with with, uh, with with meat in your pocket, it does. It's stupid to do that, right? You know, you smell like meat. Why would you do that? Right. Yeah. So the way you so to prepare your vibration really is uh, a form of mental mindset and how you right. go about your every day, which will, absolutely, and that determines what energy is allowed to to um, interact with you. Yes. Huh. As long as you keep your own vibration high, and you know you you keep positive. 
positive thoughts all the time. You don't, I mean, I would, I don't worry about it. I don't even think about it. It's not something that I, uh, I, I worry about. I mean, why would I, it, I, 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 uh, I know I have God's protection and I don't need any better protection than that. I agree. There's people who I just spoke to someone uh, just yesterday. It'll be up tomorrow where they discuss wrapping themselves in uh, mentally in a blanket of protection uh, Yeah, where they don't allow these kind of uh, vibrations to come in. That's right. That's what you can do very easily. A lot of people need to realize uh, for prayer, for example, um, I've had the time to an analyze prayer and I've kind of, whether it be Christian prayer or the, or the way Muslims do, or even Buddhist, it's uh it is a vibration, right? Cause when you're chanting and you're praying and you're, you're hyper meditating, you're putting a vibration out there to the universe per se. That's right. So that's, I, I've, exactly. yeah, I've come to realize that's what they're doing. It's not the really so much the words as it is the energy you're putting out. Yes. Along with meditation. Is that, do you find that uh to be about accurate? I don't, I don't meditate, but I do uh, use the Lord's prayer. Right. And, and, and um, I, I gave my life to God a long time ago and I do it every day, every, every day since, you know, I'm doing God's work and um, you know, God will take care of me. I don't worry about it at all. So here's another big question. Um, and this, I've, so in recent times, uh, places like the Vatican, another palace in the middle of a country, bought their own telescopes, uh, and then now I'm finding out a lot of other larger religions are purchasing telescopes, and they're altering their verbiage on uh, life not from here. Uh, one of them said something to the sense of uh, when, didn't say if, just said when life comes here, we'll baptize them. So I'm under the impression that they're being more accepting of the idea that there is life elsewhere. Cause we're finding now more, there is. Yeah, yeah there everywhere is. teeming with life. There's definitely other planets. There has to be other proving grounds like earth everywhere. I think, right. There, there are other, there are other lives, other forms of life elsewhere. Yes. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure that they're eager to be baptized by us, but right. they are there elsewhere. Um, they, they, the Arcturians uh, are the ones that we hear about most often. Um, they aren't necessarily looking to be baptized by us, but they are protecting us currently from, from lower vibration forms of life, which are looking to milk us for negativity, uh, which is not something we are eager to have happen. But that's one reason we seem to have had so much negativity happening here, because we've allowed our own vibrations to fall so low uh, that they have been uh, encouraging more negativity here because they they feed on that. And the Arcturians seem to be discouraging that and protecting us, which is a good thing. Right. So for the people here currently, when we have interactions with these uh, little gray guys, I'm torn on what those are. I, I have my own theories on what they are physically. I mean, I based on everything I've researched, it sounds like they're smaller biological robots with a consciousness upload they or? apparently are robots um yeah they're they're not they they are because we are so dangerous they um uh, the the arcturians don't um come to earth directly but instead they they use the uh the the gray gray guys for research right to study us i'm glad you said that because that's yeah. one of my <laughs> if you listen to some of the other podcasts i think the little gray guys are for rent if there's other life forms intelligent that come here, um, they could turn around and be like, listen, don't go there yourself. 
These guys are proven yeah. worthy. They do the work. Yeah, we are really, we're really scary. Yeah. Oh Lord. Well, yeah, we're we're probably right now on Earth. We are the most violent species, and th- and I say this amongst lions, the hyenas, and and ants, and and like. Oh yeah, yeah. They're 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 not as scary as we are. Yeah, because at least theirs is nature driven. It's it's survival driven. We have war for stupid reasons. Like. Yeah, but what one thing that's reassuring is we're we're told that what what really scared uh, everybody was when we used atomic bombs in anger. Yeah. In 1945, and they decided that we would not be allowed to do that again. So a a number of people began to come in to try to change things rather rapidly on this planet. Um, I was one of them, and a number of other people were as well. And they said, we're just going to make sure it never happens again. And curiously, it never has. Have you noticed that? You're right. Um, there are a number of stories of how they've kept it from happening, and I hope it continues. I hope they succeed in continuing to keep it from happening. And the Arcturians at that point seem to have taken over. And we're told that those big triangular ships that occasionally are seen are Arcturian ships. I hope that's the case. I don't disagree. Um, it, all the research I've done in ufology, uh, I, I do hear often that these ships are around our nuclear facilities, whether it be for weapons or power, they monitor both. Um, and then one, they, they, on one occasion, and I'm going to have the guy on eventually, uh, one occasion they disarmed one in midair. It was a test. We were testing a, 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 some sort of nuclear missile. Yeah. And, I've heard a few, a few stories about they're taking down missiles that weren't being tested. Yeah. yeah. And evidently, that's going to come to light more, I'm guessing, from our government. Because they asked about that in a recent, um, uh, they just had a, a congressional meeting, and it was asked about. And they kind of, the sense I got is they pushed it aside. Like, we'll talk about it in a closed, in a closed uh, conversation, right? Because obviously, yeah. you know, that's part of the problem. How do you explain to the American people? Like, we have, uh, we have powerful weapons, but these things that are here, they can just turn them off. You know, that's... I hope so. It's it's a humbling feeling. Arcturians are the good guys. I mean, there's definitely a species that's come here at some point. And you know, here's it's funny that you say that. Uh the report of this other species so far that I've encountered, the uh, the more aggressive ones stop coming around. Uh, you don't hear very many reports of them. It, it it was like an isolated thing in like the 40s, 50s and 60s. Yeah. And then somewhere in the 80s, 90s it began to slow down and now I'm just not even hearing about it. So, yeah, I'm going to look into that because maybe these protectors be like, listen, we cut a deal with you. Here are the little gray guys. You go down there and investigate. Why are you getting hands on and why are you being aggressive? That's not going to work for us. So, yeah, I can see it. So, Roberta, I'll ask you uh, one final question before we close out. Um, This is the big one for everyone. Uh, I've asked you before uh, and maybe this, you know, this time I'll ask just, you know, roundabout idea. What, What is God exactly? Um, God is the highest form of consciousness. And I don't think we can define God more precisely than that. But God is the unity of pure love and all that exists. Right. Ultimately, God is all that exists. We are all part of God. Yeah, I would would have, especially, I've had this conversation with a lot of people. They're like, wow, Um, if, you know, 
God's almighty, why did all these atrocities happen here on earth? And I've taken my time to think about that. One, free will's a thing. We know this. Two, uh, just say you're, uh, you're, imagine the size of a Walmart and you're Roberta Grimes. You're sitting right in the middle, right? And then I don't go to Walmart. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you're in a lo- large building. I don't building. do stores, but, but yes. Okay. Yeah, so you're, them. you're in a large building. You have uh fish tanks, 55 gallon a piece. Each one has, uh, ant colonies in it and the store is filled with them and you love your ants. You take care of them. You provide food. You care. My ants. <laughs> yeah. Well, I say this because, you know, a, a confined space of billions of creatures and one little thing amongst many, it's impossible to, to see the outcomes of all of them or, or, or notice if one's injured or notice if there's a, a war in one of the tanks in the size of this warehouse, you know, you're their you're their provider and you care about them, but the likelihood of you knowing there's, there's an issue with just one of them. I don't know. I, I would, my definition of God is always the same thing busy i mean absolutely busy a lot going on especially now when you see we're we're able to see how big the universe is and there's multi, the idea of multiple universes it's mind-blowing so i couldn't do god's job i can tell you that it's a lot <laughs> god loves each of us yeah as if there were only one of us we couldn't do that but god can agreed yeah because i mean some of the arguments people post up are you know the world war ii where the nazis they killed millions of millions of people in a small span of time but you understand none of them were killed they went home right right yeah i mean each of those each of those was an opportunity for each of us to show more love fair enough yeah fair enough i mean can't argue that so anyhow um your books uh, you have, by the way, you have a, a new book coming, no? Well, I, there is, there's another fun book coming out, which is The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. Right. It's about time for us to start following Jesus. No one ever has. I, look, I agree with that, too, because there's, there's people out there with multi-thousand dollar cloaks on and multi-thousand dollar hats and gold chains and a, a palace yes. that you could only imagine in a, in a Disney cartoon that they, they, you know, and we worship these people. That that was always my pushback, right? You know, a country, in that country, there are people who are, they go without food. They go without shelter. And there's a yeah. door in this palace that's worth millions of dollars. <laughs> Sell a door, feed the people, right? Look at the Vatican. That's that's who I reference. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. it's, a, it's incredible. It's a palace with, with volts of knowledge that they won't release to the world. And, and I mean... When I discovered some of the artifacts they had there and what it cost to maintain that place and what it's made of, I was blown away. There's people that don't eat. I don't know. So, yeah, your book where it's practicing the, what if that's the direction for Jesus, what he says, I, I, I can support that. It's time to start listening. Not listening hasn't worked very well. No, it really hasn't. It really hasn't. So, in your, well, in your eyes, in your opinion, the world today, uh, we're in a bad place, right? We're in a really bad you place. You tried right? everything else. It's time to start listening. I think. Yeah, I don't know. It's got me nervous. I really hope things turn around soon because I'm not feeling too good about it. It's it, time to start. We've tried everything else. Time to start listening. Agreed. 
Well, Roberta, I enjoyed speaking with you again. Um, for those of you listening, uh, I'm going to say good day, good day, good evening, good whatever it is for you. And I'm going to talk to Roberta in post. It's been a pleasure, my dear. Thank you.